0: Our foster care system is shattered. And this podcast is about how we as a community can come together to bring about change. Change in the system and changing the lives of children in foster care. Hi, my name is Rob Shear. I'm the founder of a national charity called Comfort Cases. I'm an advocate for children in foster care. I'm a public speaker. I'm an author of a forever family, but most important, I'm a dad to five of the most amazing kids. Welcome to the Fostering Change Podcast. Well, you know, here we are again, another amazing episode of Fostering Change. I am so hard to believe how fast this year is going by. Um, And so much love that we've gotten from people who have listened to our podcast or have gone to our YouTube channel and actually watched it. You know, our next guest, um, I actually met through social media. um, And then I did a little bit of stalking. I was so impressed. First of all, I was impressed with the fact of, what an amazing actor he is, um, but also the fact that he um, goes beyond by being a foster parent. You know, being a foster parent is not the easiest thing to do. And when I meet people who become foster parents and who have opened their hearts and their, their homes to children, um, it just, they're my heroes. So ladies and gentlemen, for all of you out there, please meet my friend, Katie, Cody Mayo, Cody is an actor in Los Angeles. You have done shows like Marvel's Runway, Fox 911, um, TNT. You did Major Crimes. You've kept it, my friend. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. It has been an interesting ride.
0: So tell me a little bit about what it's been like being an actor during the pandemic, first of all.
1: Um, Well, like everybody else, everything got turned upside down. Um, I will say that for our specific medium, um, it just immediately stopped. There was no work. So there wasn't even a furloughing option. It was, there are just no jobs. Um, and it was immediate and it was like a, a cut, uh, almost like the rope had been cut and, and and you just felt like you were floating off and there was no no idea. No one had any idea how we were going to do this. However, I will say this. If history has proven anything, it's that people love entertainment, and they need entertainment, especially in the hardest of times. So I think all of us had hope that we would figure out a way, um, and we did. Everything is digital now, so you can literally be anywhere and audition for things that you would have to drive all over L.A. to be able to audition for. Um, So we're making a way. It's a new way, but we're making it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. It is definitely a new way, but I will have to say um, I've missed the movie theater. And I actually went into my first theater not long ago. And um, it was nice to be back. It was nice to see the big screen. And by the way, I have been watched you like you would not believe. (laughs) (laughs) um and so I've caught up on all the shows um but you know you and your wife though for what you and and you know Casey do it's just amazing to me so what made you decide to be a foster parent
1: um well you know we had always I think early on even when we were dating we had talked about wanting to be involved in some form of adoption and we didn't know what that would be like or or even really what that was. We just knew that it was in our cards. We always had um, this heart to help out and and to be there for people who need it the most. Um, and so, you know, fast forward life, we we had uh, a couple biological children and uh, I was working on runaways at the time. So we felt like we were in a good place to continue building the family, but we stopped and we went, you know what? I think now's the time to take a risk and do something challenging, something crazy, something maybe that we are not used to or we don't know anything about. And that's what started the journey towards foster care. Um, We specifically chose foster care because we were so overwhelmed by the crisis that's in LA County. Now we know that there's crisis all over the United States in every neighborhood, Um, and that homes are needed everywhere Uh, but specifically in LA County there was just a mass amount of children that had uh, very limited options and so um, that led us to it to say yes and then Rob I learned about ICWA um, which I didn't know what ICWA was and um it is the Indian Children Welfare Act, and this is a federal uh, law that basically protects uh, Native children and tries to its best to connect Native children to Native people for permanency, for adoption. Well, turns out my family is greatly tied to the Choctaw Nation in Oklahoma. Um, that's where my family's lineage comes from, and uh, we're on the rolls there and everything. And so I got educated about ICWA, uh, and all of a sudden, there happened to be some Native children in LA County, and LA County found out that I was a part of the same tribe as these children, and they were on us so quickly (laughs) that Wow, that you
0: know, I, I I'm very familiar with the the I, I'm familiar with the fact that kids who you know want to stay that that the tribes are wanting the children to stay, but I I'm also a little bit concerned about that, and um, sure. you know I'd love to hear about what your experience and again you know I. I'm a true believer that foster care is not the answer. Keeping a child right. with their family and trying to figure out how we can support the family is the key. But there are times that kids must come into the system. And so yeah. do you feel that that children who come from any type of, of you know tribe um, are given less opportunity because of that particular ruling?
1: I find, well, it's a complicated subject in that. If you look at the origin of why ICWA came to be and why it was started, there's good intention everywhere on it in the sense that there was a time in the United States where a lot of Native tribes and the children specifically uh, were more or less being whitewashed. The tribes were being decimated. And, um, you know, if you go back and look at, you know, for instance, the history of boarding schools in the United States with, Na- with the Native Americans specifically, there was a protection put in place to try to preserve these tribes. So I understand, you know, that point of view, um, and, and, and I guess the genesis of it, however, to your point, here's the challenge. If permanency for a native child relies on, on the ability to secure a native parent, that means you have now taken the number of options for that child from what's already not a great number of people willing to participate um, down to a very small number of people. Um, And so what ends up happening sadly is that a lot of these children end up staying in the system and get bounced around from home to home to home um, where there are potential candidates out there um, who would provide a great home and a great life for them but simply can't do the permanency um, because maybe they don't get approved by the tribe or they run into conflicts with, with ICWA. So there, is, there are challenges for it. And to your point as well, I always come to the question, what is in the child's best interest? Yes. Period. What is in the child's best interest? Because a lot of these man-made constructs that we've created, these rules, these, the red tape, all of these things, a lot of them were created by people that have no understanding of the trauma the kids are going through. And so when we a- answer the question, what is in the child's best interest, I don't necessarily know that it is limiting uh, it to a very small pool. No,
0: I agree. I, I agree 100%. You know, my, my biggest concern are the people that are making the rules are people who have never, ever even spoken into a child in foster care. Right. Um, right. have never ever come and broken bread with parents who've chosen to open their homes to children in foster care. And right. that is it, you know, it's just it 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 reminds me, and not to get political, but it reminds sure. me of the Supreme Court ruling. Um, where I wonder how many of our Supreme Court justices have ever been in foster care or have ever oh, right. um, you know, had been a foster parent, or yeah. have ever experienced adoption. Option or you right. know, and and what I keep thinking, and you you hit the nail on the head, Cody, is the fact that what is in the best interest of a child and I understand the bloodline let me tell you something I'm a father that has four children of color um there is you know no way that I'm going to change them which by the way when we adopted our kids that we were challenged um stating that we were going to turn them white um nothing is going to change my children to be children of color simple as that right right Um, And I believe that kids from any tribe, um, nothing's going to change them. But this is where I think we make the mistake.
1: Mm-hmm. We must
0: educate ourselves about those tribes, about that right. culture. You know, I mean, right. let me tell you something. I never in a million years thought that I could actually um name performers who do rap music. But because I've, you know, dived into my children's culture, it is important, no different than a child who comes from
1: a tribe. Right, right. Yeah, and you again, that's a great point. And what's funny is Rob is Prior to the son that I have right now, we've had uh, kids of so many different ethnicities come through our house. And and in preparation of them coming, which, as you know, is like sometimes a 24-hour notice, uh, we would hit the Amazon bookstore. I mean, just trying to read up on anything and everything, fiction, nonfiction – just to understand the voices we're looking at artwork. We, we, we're putting things up in the house um, putting on certain types of music that maybe we weren't listening to. And the truth is, even though me and my son, now we have the same uh, heritage, I'm, I'm taking it upon myself to dive even more into that heritage and educating myself even more um, because I find it important for him. So I totally hear you and agree with that.
0: Yeah. You know, listen, everyone, I mean, I am so excited about this conversation with my friend, Katie, Cody Mayo. Cody and his wife, Cassie, um, are, have had, how many kids now have you had in and out of your house, Cody?
1: I believe we've had four through 2020. So it was very different during L.A.
0: Wow. Four through 2020. But you have two biological children.
1: Two biological toddlers. Toddlers, toddlers than that. <laughs>
0: yes. I follow you on social media. And so I do yeah. get to see the younger ones. And, you know, listen to all of our listeners, those who are viewing, whether you're listening to this on Apple or Spotify or, you know, all of the podcast platforms, or maybe you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, this is really a great conversation. And with that, we're going to be right back. This episode of Fostering Change is sponsored by Comfort Cases, a national nonprofit that is inspiring our communities to bring dignity and hope to youth in foster care. You know, for just $10 a month, you can support the Comfort Cases mission to eliminate trash bags from the foster care system. For every $10 donated, a Comfort XL duffel bag will be given to a child entering foster care. Please help us be part of the change. Go to comfortcases.org and see how you can help a child entering our foster care system. So, I am so excited for the second part of Fostering Change with my friend Cody Mayo. You know, Cody is an actor that's done 911. Um, he's done the Marvels Runaway, and he's taught us a little bit about what it's like to be an actor during the pandemic, but also what it's like to be a dad to be a dad to children who are entering the foster care system. You know, we've all heard about it, for those of us that actually open up our ears or read the paper, about the pandemic that we have been in. The pandemic that in March of 2020 that we woke up and we didn't know what the next day was going to bring. Just imagine being a child. Imagine being a child. And that is what children in foster care feel every single day. Mm -hmm. Whether there is a virus that's floating around or not, they are in a pandemic, and it's up to us to make a difference. You know, to- Cody, take the risk and don't underestimate your ca- capabilities to give. Do you feel that you and Cassie truly took that risk and you lived that?
1: I do. I do. And I, you know, it's funny because I think that was one of the biggest barriers of holding us back from really going into foster care. And what I mean by that is, is it's just the simple thought of, I don't think I'm good enough to do this. And I think that's holding back a lot of people from doing this. And part of our hope with uh, my wife and I is to educate people that this really is anybody's ability. Like y- the biggest enemy we have is ourselves. If we can get past the thought that we couldn't provide more or we, we're not able to love more or we're not able to give more, if we can get past that, it changes everything. Um, it has truly been the most rewarding experience in an inverse way. We thought we'd be giving all this love, all, all of this attention to the child, which we do. But they give so much back to the family that enriches the whole thing um, in ways you wouldn't believe. So, yeah, I think it's so important to, to, to move past that. And don't underestimate your capacity to give and love and serve think we're capable of a lot more.
0: Yeah, but I have to tell you, um, I have not experienced what you and Cassie have experienced. You know, when my children arrived, um, you know, even though their goal was reunification, my children never left. And so I never had that feeling that I always feared of like right. a child leaving and you and Cassie have gone through that you have had children right. near your home and you've done what you were supposed to do and the children were reunified what I'd That's like right. to know is even though your other two children um your biological children are young did you see an effect on them at all
1: you know, what's really interesting is uh, that was a concern, and I think that is in the other foster groups that I, we're a part of and, and trying to educate others uh, in. One of the questions that always come up is, what do you do since you have biological children? There, there's this concern that, how, that the children that are with you, your biological children, wouldn't be able to understand or wouldn't have the ability to um, go through the process of welcoming a child and maybe potentially having to allow that child to, to reunify. And you know what I, we have learned is that they are cap- the kids are capable of way more than we give them credit for. Um, my daughter was four years old, just turned four when we started fostering, when we welcomed our first foster uh, son into the house. My, a young, my youngest son was uh, two. They were very young, and what we did is we prepped them before the child arrived by saying, "Hey, we're, we have a friend coming over that's going to get to stay with us for a little while, and we we're so excited they, we don't even know when they're going to go home. they may we, we don't know what's going to happen, but what we are going to do is we're going to play games with them, we're going to teach them things. and my daughter's name is Lucy and Lucy, and I would say Lucy this is going to be an opportunity for you to get to play mom. We're going to need help changing diapers and feeding and all sorts of things. And as soon as I poured the mold for her to step into an opportunity to lead, even at four years old, she blossomed. It was incredible to watch a toddler have these maternal uh, attributes just start flowing out of her. I'm Everything from waking up with us at, in the middle of the night feeds to, to help out or give us a burp cloth to in the morning, helping change a diaper. She was incredible. And the same goes for my son who loves in a different way. He's very uh, physical touch oriented. So he would cuddle or hug or caress their hand or whatever, whatever it was. Um, and so when we got to the first experience of a child leaving our home, we simply just walked them through it. And By celebrating this idea that their, their parent or their grandmother or wherever they were going um, was in a good place now they were healthy, they, uh, and now they get to meet whatever the child's name was. And so we would pack them a box like a present um, with new toys and whatnot, and with a a photograph of all of us, and we would send it on on their way. Uh, And so I think, you know, just. As long as you remove the fear out of the equation and you just believe that your child is capable of surprising you, I think you'll be amazed at at what can happen.
0: I love it. Let me tell you, there's something I've learned from there that I've never heard this before. And I hope all of our listeners have heard this. I love the fact that you put a box together and with new toys and with a picture Mm -hmm. of your family. You know, I say this all the time. Children can never have enough. People to love them, and I, I really do. I understand the reunification, and I understand how important it is for children to bond with their biological family. But I always feel that we do a disservice by just taking kids and saying, "Okay, you've been with this family for a year, but you cannot see them any longer." Um, but right, I love how right, you give right. that little token. Um, you know, that to me is. Is something that I'm going to remember, and I'm going to I'm going to teach that, and that I think that that is so so important. So you've got three that are toddlers. Um, yeah, don't
1: sleep that much. Um, <laughs> I've had a newborn for one year, Rob. We have oh. had a newborn in our house for one year, so we've never gotten out of the phase of sleeping all the way through the night since the beginning of the pandemic.
0: Wow. <laughs> so how long has your last placement been with you?
1: Okay, so we're very excited because we are moving into the permanency phase with uh, our current son. He has been here now nine months. uh, And all the wind is blowing towards this being a permanent solution for, for him uh, to stay with us. So we're excited. We are cautiously optimistic. Um, As you know, with the foster system, sometimes you just don't want to put all your eggs in a basket, but with going down that thought, but, we we feel pretty good um, that he's going to get to stay with us.
0: Well, I let me tell you something. He has definitely won the lottery with the two of you. I mean, I, I I want you back on the show because I want to hear more about, you know, what's going on. And, and do you think that you, by the way, before we wrap this up, Cody, do you think that you're going to actually have more kids?
1: Well, we do. We're not going to have any more biological children. Uh, this for us is kind of the route we want to go, um, and uh, we are open to whether or not this little guy he may have he may have more siblings come along the way in the future. Uh, so that door is open, um, and and just continuing to foster wherever we're at
0: yeah I love that I love that and you know it's like with me you know I have two sets of siblings that I refuse to split up and you know I think you know siblings they they deserve to be raised together well listen Cody um you are amazing I cannot thank you enough as busy as you are to take time out and to be on fostering change listen to all of the listeners out here you know the most flattering thing that you can do is actually share our podcast let people know about it we need to educate our community. Today, for instance, I was educated more than I can imagine. In every single episode, someone else comes on the show, like my friend Cody, and educates each and every one of us. You know, I think that we have more people out there that are um, registered and for um, people that are in within tribes, whether it's the Cherokee Nation, whether it's, you know, the Choctaw Nation, and you need to look into that because as Cody said, we have to give children the opportunity to all have a permanent foundation. Listen, Cody, thank you so much, my friend, for another episode of Fostering Change. Cannot wait to talk again next time. Take care, everybody. Thank you. I would like to thank all of you for listening to the Fostering Change podcast. You can subscribe on all of your favorite podcast streaming platforms, including Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Make sure you follow Comfort Cases on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter at Comfort Cases. Check out the Fostering Change blog at comfortcases.org. And I know some of you have a question. And I know some of you would love to be a guest. Please personally reach out to me at comfortcases.org. That's comfortcases.org. Then do me a big favor. Please help spread the word. Share this podcast. Share it with your friends and your family. Remember, I say this quite often. We're all part of the same community and that community, it's not our zip code, but our human race. Let's all make a difference.